0: the fried eggs superintendent series is brought to you by toro among the countless reasons why we go to the course communing with mother nature sits near the top of lists. and the company most trusted to responsibly maintain our golf environments toro continues to lead the way it's line of all electric and hybrid mowers and vehicles do their jobs as well as ever Better, actually, because while their precision, power, reliability, and comfort remain the same, this new breed reduces engine exhaust emissions, noise pollution, and increases efficiency and ease of maintenance. If only our golf swings were that productive and sustainable. Follow at Toro Golf on Twitter and reach out to your local Toro distributor to schedule a demo. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast and our superintendent series. Today's episode is with the director of agronomy from the Bel Air Country Club. I'm not sure if there's a the there. It might be. It sounds right. I feel like it could be a the Ohio State situation. Justin DePippo. Justin is a phenomenal superintendent. Having played Bel Air just recently, it is uh, probably one of the best conditioned courses I've ever been to. Rock hard, really firm and fast fairways, firm greens. And uh, he's done a marvelous job with the restoration there and the continued projects that they have. They have some USGA events coming up. He's a uh, a bright young star in the superintendent industry and uh, a really good guy. So. Without further ado, here is Justin DePippo. What's the uh what's the oddest request that you've gotten from an, an adjacent homeowner that you could tell? Um Oddest request. Nothing really jumps
1: out as odd, but more of a some extreme request to, you know, completely alter some portion of the golf course just to Drastically improve their their view.
0: <laughs> is it all about the view? Uh
1: Yes, I mean, the way we sit, the golf course is below a lot of these homes, so you know when they walk out to their backyard or back porch or kitchen window and look out, majority of their panoramic view is
0: the golf course. so it's, With you sitting below, naturally, you know what's going on up top because everything comes down to you, right? usually, uh, no, naturally, I don't know. I find out when
1: it's a little too late (laughs) because by then it's coming down the hill and ending up on the golf course, whether it's uh, sewage or water pipe or pools, you know, some pool guy left the hose
0: on and the pool's now overflowing. So it usually one of the three so you manage uh you manage the golf course the grounds, and you've got your membership that you you deal with, but you also have uh you're you're almost like the property manager of the homeowners association too
1: in a way the way you know this golf course winds its way through the the hills here it uh i I know majority of the neighbors just as well
0: as I do the members so <laughs> yes
1: in a, in a way
0: uh, tell me you know obviously this is uh Bel Airs one of the most unique uh Properties in all of golf, like you know, when it was built, it was a marvel that it was even constructed. Um, you know, George Thomas, uh, for those that aren't aware, is it's it's a it's effectively three canyons, and yeah. the you know there's a central canyon that you tee off on one, but then you wind back into back back canyon on the front nine, and then there's a back canyon that most of the back nine sits in, and. Um, what present what challenges does this do these canyons present i imagine just like i i notice it from like having shot the place with a drone how hard it is to get around how do you get equipment around
1: um i mean the logistical challenges of our operation here and just basically doing anything um you know we deal with some sort of challenge uh whether it's equipment or noise or I mean, I'm sure you could tell just pulling in this morning you came through a private all-girls high school just to come to the shop. So, um, you know, there's challenges just getting anybody inside the gates, which it could be any one of our, you know, 18 to 20 gates. Uh, And equipment-wise, you know, we have a couple service gates that we have to use and you have to backtrack the same way you went in to come back out and um, so there's a lot of time and you know, logistical thought that's put into just how we go about our morning. Uh, you know, we've to, you know, California labor laws, we only have, you know, four and five hours to work in the morning. So, you know, you take your meeting, you take your break outside of that, you're left with four hours and 30 minutes. I mean, we've, you could almost put every uh, task down to the minute as to this is where you're going, this is, exactly how you're driving in and out just to get the most of you know those four hours and 30 minutes and it's all really due to just the challenges of you know having four tunnels that certain carts can fit one way but not the other you know everything we buy we go measure the the width of it and see if it'll fit
0: (laughs) so the manufacturer specs are super important yes
1: yes we uh we actually had a challenge we demoed some vehicles and uh, they were great, fit through, no problem, and ordered them with roofs. And then when they all showed up with roofs, uh, none of them fit through uh, Fit through three of the tunnels, but the fourth one on the back uh, did not. So we had to make a quick adjustment and have custom roofs installed on our, all of our carts just to make it through the tunnel. So,
0: so you took over and... Um, everybody on your crew, I imagine a lot of them sticked over, uh, stayed over from the previous superintendent and were there things that you just talked about, like having to be dialed down to the minute, were there things that you figured out, do you have like an example of an operational efficiency that you tweak something? Maybe it's even like a route to a whole where you you picked up time, like it, it, tell, it, tell me about that and how, did you, how you went about the process of like figuring out how to make things more efficient.
1: Yeah, I mean, we definitely went through a lot of that. There was a learning curve there uh, and it was actually fairly difficult in the sense that, you know, I mean, I relied heavily on the veteran staff and everybody who had been here because by the time I started, the course was already shut down. So we were about a month into the project and, um you know so i i didn't really get to go through a a normal day of operating and then uh you know there was you know the lay the hole by hole layout didn't change but all the features did and there was a handful of bunkers removed and redone and you know you know vistas and views that were opened up so you had to be a little more cautious of where you went and um but no we changed a lot of the routing everything that was a lot of the tasks that were done here before were uh more section based, you know, you would kind of go to your three hole section and you did every task in that section. And, um, that kind of slowed down the overall, you know, somebody could still be working on three, four, five, and yet six and seven and 10 and 11 are already done. Right. So I tried to get us in more of a, uh, sequence order of routing to, get every part of the process done ahead of the play ahead of play
0: and um how was it with the construction when you guys did the restoration with like the heavy machinery oh uh, we'd have to bring in a uh a large semi and pick a piece of equipment
1: up and drive it around and bring it in another gate so we would you know on a saturday if we knew hey we're going to go to another section of the golf course on monday you know, we'd bring a semi in load up the excavator or dozer and you know leave the gate on 15 in the back canyon and then come to our gate over here off sunset bring in unload so
0: yeah how did it compare to like la when you guys did work at la and 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 you know at la you could come
1: in really well like the south course the project we did uh right at the end there before i left you know we started at the far corner there on uh kind of five six area and worked our way back to the shop you kind of worked your way out where you come in from well here we basically did that four times so you know we had to four separate locations of bringing material and sand and gravel and hauling from and equipment. And, um, yeah, it was just all part of the, the challenge, you know, um, it's, it, uh, add some speed bumps, but you know, we got through it. Um, but no, it's, it's, I mean, you showed me that video earlier and it was like bringing everything back. It was hard to believe that we did it that way and
0: got through it. Um, with that, with the canyons too, it- Everybody in San Francisco loves to talk about microclimates and, and you effectively have a property that's got like four different climates. Yeah. Do you get like, do you have to maintain different areas differently because of things? Do you, do you have to wait to do like, how does that?
1: Uh, Definitely, you know, our, you know, our two toughest canyons over here, three, four, five, and kind of six, seven there. Those are the two are the lower lying um canyons that, tend to be pretty heavily shaded through the winter so uh majority of the growing season you know spring through fall we're we're good you know bent grass bermuda grass does pretty well here um but those winter months the december january february can be pretty tough in those areas um just with the limited sunlight so uh those areas we you know we pull back on our mowing you know heavily focus on just rolling or um you know just moving traffic around uh any way we can to you know, spread the wear and tear and just help with the recovery. Um, that's, that's a, another challenge of our, you know, the way we just kind of nestled in here nice and tight. And
0: What are the advantages? Are there any, I mean, we've talked about all the challenges. Do you, do you, is there anything that's uh, the quirkiness of this place that, uh, that you actually end up being like, you know, it's pretty nice. We're here.
1: I mean, just that statement right there. It's pretty nice. We're here. You know, I mean, you, being able i mean every morning you know if you get to drive up to the first tee here and look out and you know i get to start my day with a cup of coffee right there and walk out i mean it's just i mean probably the best view in la one of the best views i mean and then i mean you get halfway into your you know the the routing here and you turn back on 10 and you're looking at downtown and it's almost like an even better view in another direction so um just the the vistas and views here that this property offers and its routing of just the way it flows through is just i mean
0: it's really something special It was funny it's uh i was i'm out here with will who works for us and and he has uh he's never been to la really spent like considerable time and he was asking me on the drive over here like where where's downtown i was like oh just wait just wait a few minutes and and then i'll be able to point you exactly where it is and we and we got up to the first tee and i'm like that's downtown and he's like whoa like you know it's like you know i've spread it out it is an incredible place it's uh, in terms of the in terms of the views and everything and uh you know you you you've mentioned a couple times you how often do you walk the golf course
1: uh at least two three days a week and you know sometimes i'll get maybe four days in it'll be nine and nine or three, you know, as much as I can, really. Um, it's, it's, I think, uh, really important to try to see the golf course from the golfer's point of view. You know, if I'm just running around in my cart, then I'm blowing by stuff or, the you know, majority of our car paths are off to the side if if we even do have a car path. Um, so if I'm just, you know, I usually try to keep my cart on the path as much as I can. So if I'm, if I'm just cruising around, I that could be missing a lot so
0: what um what type of stuff have you picked up like on where you is there an example you can think of where you saw something walk in that changed the perspective of how you guys maintain stuff
1: um uh you know one recently we did was our bunker rake placement you know it's <laughs>
0: I, I'm always interested in bunker rake placement.
1: Small change. You know, I had always wanted to keep them in the rough off to the side. You know, they were like less visible and, you know, I didn't want to interfere with, you know, a ball rolling into a bunker or uh, being in that line of play. Um, and I also originally wasn't a fan of it sitting out in the bunker. I just felt like it made them stand out a little more. Uh, we recently just went to just resting the handle on the side. and
0: I'm a big half in, half out guy
1: well that's what we're doing now so uh it's more convenient and really you know most of our plays caddy play and if the caddy's you know rushing to get the putter hand it to the guy just hit his shot out and then he's got to rush back and break the bunker and the guy wants his club cleaned and the ball cleaned because he just hit it out of the bunker caddy's trying to run three different directions all at once well you know they get a half ass job of rake and chuck the rake you know or um and the other thing is we have a lot of the, you know, the fairway line just runs right along the edge of the bunker. So if it's always in the rough, it might be 10, 15 yards behind you, which is inconvenient. You know, it should kind of be where a majority of the people are stepping in and out of the bunker. So uh we kind of try to distribute them in the right locations and just more efficient, you know. More.
0: Totally. Um So... You've worked a, a few places. You were at mink before you came to LA, and I'm I'm curious. That was before they did a restoration. How's um? How does your approach maintaining a course that hasn't, you know, was restored, you know, years ago, but older, you know, it's an older course. Is there anything you're doing differently than when you, you know, effectively had a brand new course here? Where you've got new turf, new new greens. Is there different maintenance practices that go into like, you know, how you're how you're approaching uh maintaining your greens and grass? Oh definitely. Uh I mean when you have a course that hasn't matured yet, there's definitely
1: a lot more inputs involved in there. Um, you know, if you got new greens that especially if you do sand base that there's no organic in there, you're watering a little more frequently, you're fertilizing a little more frequently. Um you know similar to fairways if you have new fairway grass you're gonna to have to alter your you know herbicide or pre-emergence i mean at every year you know the plant's gonna mature and i'm um, gonna be able to handle a little more you're gonna be able to push things a little harder um you know and you you figure out too every year what works and what doesn't work maybe there's a better timing in the year to do certain applications or um you know just maybe you got to get a little more aggressive late fall going into winter to you know, put things to bed or, it, you know, it just depends that, I mean, that's something that you do back East, but you wouldn't do out here, you know, out here it's, you're kind of trying to go into the winter as strong as you can. Cause the golf doesn't stop, you know, it's just, the days are a little shorter, but it's still just as busy.
0: Yeah. When do you try and like breathe uh, uh, when you're going, when you're, you're around? I, I like to say,
1: you know, it's, it's a little more steady out here cause it's just 365. It's, tw- you know, we, you know, maybe you don't ever operate. I guess I could say at a hundred percent, it's more staying at that 90%, you know, where you know, DC, Philly, anywhere, but, you know, you might be at like 110 some weeks, you know, you're just nineties and humid and thunderstorms are coming through, you know, and you're just pulling your hair out. Um, I don't, think I'm ever pulling my hair out, but you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's steady here. There is no off season. It just, uh, things slow down a little bit, but golf doesn't.
0: So, it's uh, yeah. It, it, I imagine you know you having winter is nice. You probably have to approach your staff a little bit differently too, and how you manage, right? One hundred percent. Yeah, we're definitely a little more
1: schedule oriented out here. You could say you know everybody's your entire staff's mostly full time. Um, you know we don't we don't shut down in the winter, right? You're not no golf, and you you have seasonal labor. It's it's more full time, so you definitely got a manage their, their time and, uh, days off and just be a little more squ- schedule oriented. Cause you're, you know, it's, 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 it's a marathon on a race out here. You know, it's, it's doesn't end and, uh, you, you gotta make it till the end. And the second it does end December 31st, January 1, it starts back up again. So, <laughs> um, my, my mindset definitely changed there coming out here.
0: Does anybody do like, I know Cal Cal club does like two week maintenance, like maintenance, like course shutdown. Do you, do you guys, is that a common practice in California? Uh, yes,
1: we do eight days in July. Um, you know, being mostly Bermuda grass that's, you know, July, August, September, you know, it's probably the best Bermuda weather we have out here. So right at the beginning there, we just, that's when we'll get aggressive with our fairways, tees, rough, all the Bermuda grass, and then we'll time it with our greens as well. Try to, uh, the good thing there is, you try to inconvenience the membership as little as possible. So if we can be super aggressive one week a year and try to get as much done as we can, and uh, you know any of our surface management practices do whatever we can that week, that'll allow for better conditioning throughout the year. Um,
0: so those eight days aren't a break at all for you. It seems like those are probably the the hardest days. <laughs>
1: everybody else at the club schedules, you know, like a nice week vacation and everybody's time off you know a couple people coming up top that's about it and we're you know 12 15 hour days and you know we've had so many big projects going on it seems like every year we're trying to you know not only do the golf course but time it with something else and uh you know it, 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 it's like there's still not enough time in the day even with eight days I, you know I'd sit here and say oh two would be great <laughs> two weeks sorry
0: I mean, so you're in the midst of a, a huge clubhouse renovation. I mean, you, when you took the job, and it was what 2017? 2018? 20, 2017, 2018, yeah. 2017, 2017. I'm yeah. trying to remember back exactly, but 2017, you're you're doing a full course restoration, and in between that, then you had COVID. It's it's like there's never been you you almost in a way have never had just normalcy. No, no,
1: it's uh, I talk about it with our general manager. We haven't had just like a normal operating year and so long um you know seven part of the project was in 2017 majority of it was 2018 uh you know the first year the course was open 2019 obviously we're uh really busy i mean the the restoration work was really well received rounds were up so so you had the challenges of it just being a year one golf course and you know having you know new challenges and new property for myself figuring things out and what works what doesn't and then uh you add a increased volume of play and then before you know it, March of 2020's covid and we rolled into a 53 day full closure i mean it was just a couple of us coming in working so um and then the project that you mentioned. So, yeah, it's been one thing after another.
0: When you look back at COVID, so you shut your your the whole club shut down for 53 days. You're doing bare bones maintenance with bare bones people. And then you come out of it and it's, you know, I imagine was very stressful to manage people during that time. Um and be like one of the businesses operating. Did you does anything you know, obviously golf as a whole has come out of COVID? really a big winner, but from a maintenance side, did that time where you guys were kind of bare bones change the way you maintained the facility out of COVID? Was there like a, anything that you learned from that? Um, you know, we, we went through it of, you know, we started
1: with, okay, how, how much can we pull back? You know, obviously the golf course is, you know, the biggest asset to the club and the membership and, we would never want to do any sort of long-term, you know, pullback uh, pull back there. But, uh, we tried to get through those, you know, the beginning of the, the that 60 day stretch, we didn't know what was going to happen. Right. So it was pull back full force. Okay. Once the dust settled a little bit, we, you know, kind of said, okay, what's our priorities here? You know, what do we need to do to maintain and, and, and keep everything in good shape? And, um, you know, I kind of went through and said, look, we can, you know, get things kicking again shortly after once we do open up and, uh, tried to just pull back as a way to help uh as much as we could you know i mean it's uh we were uh we we didn't you know let any staff go or furlough or anything we you know kept everybody on through those uh two months there so um anything we could do with not really knowing what the end result was going to be was the mindset going into it
0: now for a quick word from our sponsor toro For more than a century with cutting-edge turf equipment and irrigation solutions, Toro has had your front nine covered and your back nine too. In fact, Toro's always had your back, period. Toro is as committed to your long-term success as tour pros are committed to their shot. That's down to top-notch customer support from Toro and its dedicated local distributors, both of whom are passionate about delivering turf equipment and irrigation solutions that solve real-world problems. Follow at Toro golf on Twitter and reach out to your local Toro distributor today. What was it, it like coming into a job? You taking a job and then in the, you're, you're like in the midst of a project, like it, it's, it's full force. Like did that, what was that experience like? Um, you
1: know, I really credit, uh, you know, working at LA country club for five years or so. Um, you know, we, did a lot in my stretch there i mean we did uh there was a big driving range project we had done early on we had the walker cup we did the clubhouse we did the whole entire south course did a lot of uh prep work for the open at the same time since the uh gill was out and construction company was already there so it was easy to get through some of the stuff um you know i almost had lived the life of one thing after another for a while um so i was coming off that project over there. So it was pretty easy to just kind of jump in the seat here and get going. You know, it was exciting. I mean, uh, you know, not too many guys on this side of the business get to just, you know, instead of getting off on the Wilshire exit, you get
0: off on the sunset exit in the morning. So, uh, yes, it's just a short, short, short jog over here. I was looking at, it's, uh, it was funny to look at LA on Google earth. And I, the other night, last night I was looking at like Airbnb directions here, and, um, you know, directions from our Airbnb to here. And I just was like, God, I forgot how close they are together. Yeah. I mean, it's two minutes up the road, three
1: minutes. Yeah. I right know. I mean, so it's, uh, um, uh, that was really cool to be able to do. And, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to, to, the timing worked out that way and, uh, come over here and it was great to be part of the project. Uh, what
0: was it, what was the most satisfying thing? What's the, what's the aspect of, of, um, We'll say both here and LA CC, C- C- the South course, uh, project. What, when you look back, is there something that you think about like the most about, about those projects where a, a memory that you have that is particular or a, that sticks with you? Um, you know, it, it, the
1: big thing was just the probably the amount of work we accomplished and, uh, you know, the, the people you work alongside with when you go through those projects, it's like a relationship you build and, uh, you know, from the contractors and architects to, you know, your own staff, it's just, um, it to, to people who don't understand maybe all of it, it might not be as like, uh, seem like so much that you took on and you were able to accomplish, but uh, when you look back and what you did and, you know, when you get to see the end result and it comes out and things are so well received and the golf world gets to you know really appreciate it and membership appreciates it and loves it and uh you know it's rewarding i mean it's uh you know it's why we do what we do and
0: it's funny i i spend a a considerable time checking in on on something on a project this winter and um it's amazing how if you go every day it feels like nothing's really happening but then if you if you don't go for like ten days and you come back, you're like, "Whoa, so much has happened." You know, it's like a it's yeah. it, when you when you have like a little space from it, it's a, you're like, "Wow, this is really cooking." But when you're in it on a daily basis, it, it, there's so much that goes into reconstructing like a singular feature, let alone an entire golf course. Yeah, you know, there's so
1: many little steps. You know, and you can have, you know, however many. Contractors in helping from irrigation to just a general construction company to your own staff to you know tree company and you know maybe landscape companies helping and you know if you if you look at every little piece of the puzzle and you know you just look at one golf hole and you know it's really just a big train right that goes through the whole thing and if yeah I mean if you're out there every day looking at every step you're you know you're always excited about the next thing the next thing you know I can't wait till this is done I can't wait till this is done done. I can't wait till this is done but and when you take a step back and you look at it every two weeks or so, you'd be like, "Oh wow, look, it's really coming together." That look at that hole now. Two weeks ago, it there was nothing there. You know,
0: so is the most satisfying thing when when the grass is down and you know you're you're moving on to something else. Uh, you know, at the end of those projects, I think the most satisfying thing
1: is when everybody leaves, and then it's just you know the growing of you and your staff, and it's like, wow, those other. 50, 70 people that were on site, you know, architects and contracts. And, and, you know, and you finally just get to, you know, come in and work, work with your team and, you know, you, you get to detail and dial everything in. You know, that that's a... Reaching that point feels like a huge relief and like, okay, we're, we're, we're getting there. We're almost there.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that most people think like, and even think like opening day, then it's everything's done. But, you know having been here a few times you know during construction to now like you guys are continuing to evolve the course never it really never stops right
1: no i mean it's always evolving you know naturally um you know a big thing that we've continued working on is kind of like our perimeter landscape plan there was still you know we took out a lot of uh you know non-native material here and you know we really focused on the golf hole and the golf side of things and um we did not in that nine-month stretch put a whole lot of time or effort into you know some of these hillsides and um just how things tie in and flow together and that's something we've been working on year after year and you know i mean you wouldn't keep a golf course closed to to continue working on hillsides. Right. You know, like the golf hole's done, like give it back, let, you know, let them enjoy it. So, um, and you know, trees are going to grow, plants are going to grow, things are going to evolve. And you know, it, it's something that you can work on through, te- you know, for the years to come and, uh, we will be for a while. So
0: do you, I, I mean, and, it, and this is something I think about a lot with like new golf courses, right. Is like everybody rushes to go see new courses and like make a judgment about them. But like, You know, this place, the way it plays now versus the way it played three years ago, it's just a world different. I mean, and this is with every new course, too. I say this to people all the time. It's like, you know, as much as as the resorts want you to come play the new course the first year, it's, you know, I would mostly say, don't go the first year, Go like a couple years in, because agronomically, you just everything gets so much better a couple years in right
1: yeah of course you know like we touched on earlier as you know as things mature they're going to be able to handle more you're going to be able to push them more i mean we weren't maintaining the course like we are today right out the gate you know um but you know you want to get open you want people to enjoy it i mean you know you're not going to stay closed an extra 3 months just you know just for the
0: is there a feature that like uh, the you've changed the way you've maintained it because you saw, Hey, w- we thought we would do it this way and it just didn't necessarily work that way. So we're doing it a little bit differently.
1: Uh you know, a, a big thing is art, the dry washes. Uh, you know, that was a, we weren't even really sure exactly how we were going to grass those, you know, how we were going to do it, what type of grass it was going to be. Um, it, it really evolved as we went through the project and that actually how those came to is, it's kind of a cool story. We, I was back and forth with uh, the dope guys and Renaissance guys on, you know, what we were going to do there and talking different grasses. And, you know, we, we knew the look we wanted. We knew we roughly how we wanted it to play and we didn't want to market them as a hazard and be able to play through them. And um, so then we kind of started to get, you know, how do we get there? And is it, is it a native grassier grass or plant you know but but they're really small they get hit with overhead irrigation from the fairways and rough the way they just kind of wind through there they don't have a separate irrigation so um we were sodding the fairways in february so everything was coming in pretty dormant um so we originally got a sprig that way it came in kind of ratty and rustic and just you know gave it a nice natural look rather than just sodding them flush or something right Mm -hmm. um or seeding perfectly or so we decided uh so we we're going to sprig. Well, February it was either either get sod or sprigs. You get one or the other. You do You know, we're trying to take whatever Bermuda's available, and yeah, you know, we're pushing to try to get everything down as quickly as we can. You know, trying to make that opening date. Um, so a couple of rolls came in in pretty rough shape that were just
0: so you're essentially you're spoilage.
1: Yes. So we had these like rolls, massive, you know, big roll sod that was sitting off to the side, and uh, we can't use it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, what? You know, Bermuda grows everywhere. I mean, you'll see it growing in like the middle of the street in a crack. I mean, you, you, I mean, you can spray Roundup on it and it'll come back two weeks later. You know, so I was like, hey, let's just let's just throw these in the in the washes, and uh, it, it looked like a bunch of little beef patties. You know, and our driving range was still open and members were driving by and I would just see them stop and stare, like, what, like, what is this? What, what is going on here? Is this, was this the idea? Is this a plan? And you know, I just kind of told everybody be patient and now I mean they they came in phenomenal they're great um we've actually never string trimmed or mowed or fly mowed or anything we've never mowed them uh really we manage them just with growth regulator and uh we don't fertilize them we try not to water them we just basically what an act you know
0: what it would it, be
1: yes and you know it just let it grow naturally it, you know I mean maybe not fully since we do limit it with some growth regulator but we don't want them to get unplayable right we don't want them to be too thick and you know, not somebody not be able to find a ball, but, you know, they're still challenging to hit out of. Um, but from a maintenance standpoint of being as low maintenance as can be, it's, you know, what a native area should be.
0: Well, I think that's like one of the biggest challenges, especially like in, in the Midwest that people have or even the East Coast it's like. I talked to so many supers that are like, you know, our native areas, we spend the most time working on native. And it's like that, that doesn't seem like a logical thing, but then they get out of hand so quick. Yeah. No, I, I hear a handful of guys
1: that, you know, that's a challenge. You know, you put in these massive acreages and reduce rough and, you know, bring some grass lines in and, you know, it, it ends up being more work in in the long run um, trying to keep them clean and, you know, have that perfect look, you could say, but, uh, no, uh, the way these came out has been, phenomenal and i you know going into it i thought we were going to be spot string trimming here and there you know or whatever we had to do to maintain it but um they've been phenomenal i mean it's probably something i'm most happy with with you know not knowing how it was really going to turn out um but they came out great
0: so you got the women's am next year the clubhouse will be done by then right the first phase
1: um two-phase projects so yes m- most of it will be done
0: so I think you'll just jump into a national championship right from that. That's the plan. Yeah,
1: you know this. Our, our whole plan's been changed a little bit with COVID and you know delays there and um, permitting and just getting things going. So, um, but now we're we're moving along. Things are things are looking good. I mean, you saw a good bit of it this morning, so it's com- it's coming along.
0: With the what are the unique challenges that a a tournament a championship present? that you know it compared to doing these big projects with whether they're clubhouse projects or or because or 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 restoration projects um in in your past experience with l a and in the walker cup
1: uh you know the big challenge with tournaments is just you're you're limited on time you know you're going off one and ten at seven thirty or seven a m so you know instead of going off one at seven thirty or whatever your tea time is you know all of a sudden you got to get everything done within three and a half hours three hours so it's you know you really gotta think about how efficient you can be what you can do in the morning what you can do in the evening and um, that's why you see these huge volunteer groups at tournaments and you know we all try to help each other out and um, it's a big year for LA next year yes yeah a lot going on you know uh, you get the open at LA and We've got the women's AM here, and you uh, got the Riv tournament and LA Open. So it's uh, I think th- I think this is the first U.S. Open ever, right, in Los Angeles. Yeah.
0: Is it? Do you sense uh, you know having been around the area uh, for a long time? Uh, is there a lot of kind of like camaraderie amongst all your peers about everything going on? Because obviously, these championships they happen and they run so smoothly a lot of times because of volunteers that help with the agronomy. Like, you know, the, your staff is going to be significantly larger the week of the of the women's AM and, and uh, LACC is going to have people from all over helping out.
1: Since the AM's match play gets a little benefit there, it gets easier as the week yeah. goes on. So, you know, you're kind of heavy up front that saturday through wednesday there and then thursday through the weekend just gets easier i mean the final day right you got two people going off so
0: as you know i haven't played some amateur events i think one of the coolest things for a competitor is how the atmosphere of the tournament as you get further and further in a match play tournament changes and you know it's just like when you walk out to the range in the morning there's like when there's only four, four people left. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've never gotten to where there's two, but when you, when you go out and the, the, just the number dwindles from that first morning of full field to it, it's a really cool. And I imagine the same thing happens with, with the, with the turf staff, like the, you know, you're, you're doing all the same work effectively, but for so so few people, you know?
1: Yep. You know that you do get a little bit of a break as, you know, the tee times later and, you know, you know, you don't need, first that final tea time on Sunday isn't at seven thirty in the morning so
0: you're still a very young uh superintendent but you were a very young superintendent when you got your first head job how um how have you do you think your management's changed over the last you know five years
1: you know I think uh the most has probably just been this past two years you know really since COVID and just learning how to uh you know manage the new workforce coming in and, you know, labor is an issue everywhere in uh, every part of the country right now. And, um, you know, trying to attract new labor and and retain people. Um, There's definitely a, uh, a side of this that I definitely wouldn't have realized early on or thought about in my early 20s that I need to learn how to, you know, lead people in the sense of teaching them, engaging them, and, 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 you know, trying to get them on a, on a bigger vision rather than, you know, I think early on, I probably would have just thought it's, you know, you're going around, you give everybody their job assignment in the morning and it's, you know, you go do your job, I go do mine and there we go. <laughs> but it, it's not that simple.
0: <laughs> with the, with the labor, have you, how have you been going about procuring, you know, people? Like, that's obviously a huge challenge in the, in the industry. Uh big this best thing
1: that's worked for me is word of mouth, you know, trying to find people through, you know, your current staff and um you know, it just it, it's such a unique job and uh you know, look, it's early mornings and there's definitely uh challenges to driving in Los Angeles and no, I, I you know, I think the best thing that's worked for me is just word of mouth and, you know, looking to hire people that have a connection with the people that are here and you know whether it's a
0: distant relative or neighbor um friend or something yeah Mm -hmm. you find probably a lot of people that can grow in 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 the industry here right like you can you can take a job as as a mower and you could you know eventually become a superintendent i mean that's one of the neat things i think about the job 100
1: percent. i mean a lot of what you learn is on the job and um you know there's no handful of people in the industry that you know have either it's, it was a second career right they got into it late with another degree or maybe didn't go to college picked up a certificate along the way and uh we're still able to you know build a, a pretty bright future for themselves and um you know it is a rewarding job I mean you get to you get to see your hard work you know pay off I mean you can go out there at the end of a project at the end of an evening and you know, yeah, you may have just worked a 10, 12 hour day laying sod or something. Look back and you look
0: at your, you know, your new tee or. And then even like three weeks later, you can be like, look at how that looks now uh, versus when it was. I can't even tell you how many times I've stood on the
1: first tee, you know, uh and looked at the past few weeks. So, um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get into turf? Um, started as a summer job. Uh, in high school working at a called Hartfeld national uh in cannon square outside uh philadelphia um pennsylvania uh my stepfather uh works for the usga and he kind of introduced me to the business and uh was good friends with the superintendent at Hartfeld at the time and just you know i wanted a summer job wanted to make some money and uh to be honest never knew you could you could do this and uh, did you play golf before you or... Uh, just like a little bit, you know, with, you know, family, friends here and there. Uh, you know, I wasn't uh, a, a huge golfer by any means, but, you know, I, I enjoyed being outside and just uh, enjoyed working with my hands and just, I just kind of fell in love with the work really. Um, I, you know, loved it. I couldn't, uh, rarely took days off and just, just stuck with it and uh, Yeah went uh went to penn state for turf grass management and uh career just kind of went from there
0: and then you then you found yourself out in l a
1: yeah yeah it was a pretty big jump in between there but
0: yeah do you miss the do you miss the transition zone at all uh
1: you know there's you know, if I go back in the fall or you know it's def yeah basically fall you go back and you get like a nice cool morning and the leaves are changing and it's just like oh wow this is nice you know but then I'll go back in january or february and
0: snow on the ground and it's freezing and or, or you go back in july and it's like 100 and humid and you're like
1: oh. yeah you, you know you step outside for 10 minutes and you're sweating and yeah now so uh you can easily be reminded how, how good it is out here and uh you know why i first came out and enjoy it so
0: all right well maybe we'll talk uh when we get closer to the the women's am but uh i appreciate the time and was oh, no, uh,
1: good seeing you. glad you came down for the day
0: doing doing a phenomenal job the place is like flying so oh, i thank uh, you appreciate it yeah and uh people can find you you're on you're on twitter you're not super active but no, you're a,
1: l- a little here and there i jump on it you know have you know, i don't go crazy with it
0: but uh you got you got one of the most popular turf dogs
1: oh yeah she kind of she takes the trophy there so i'll let her have the you know be number one in that in that side of things so Little celebrity dog.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, well, thank you. And uh, I mean, I don't need keep up the good work.
1: I nah, appreciate it.